0: Hello, Bonsai friends. This is Evan Pardue of Underhill Bonsai, and welcome to episode 59 of Little Things for Bonsai People. And this time, I am joined by Guy Guidry. How are you doing, Guy? I'm doing good, Evan. Thanks for having me. Definitely, definitely. Um, not uh, You're not aware of this, but uh, a lot of our listeners are aware of it, but I mention you quite a bit on this show. Oh, shut up. Yeah. Why would you do that? <laughs> Only to get... Uh, blocked on Facebook or
1: something? <laughs> Just
0: <laughs> no, no. Uh, it's it's because you're you're a big influence. So we're going to be uh, talking to guy today about his career in bonsai and his uh, his influence on the southeastern bonsai scene. So, but before we get into that, I do need to mention that our podcast is sponsored by our amazing patrons over at Patreon.com/slash Little Things for Bonsai People can head over there and become a bonsai Best Bud and hang out with us in our Discord and talk with these amazing people starting off our list with Tori Solis, Vicky Alt, Snell, uh Boyd Snellgrove, Ricky Ruins, Joshua Bentley, Snappy Shappers, Joel Jenkins, Justin Knight, Backyard, Bonsai Australia, Greenwich Gardens, Ta- Taylor Peacock, Chase Pertweet, Austin Atkins, Karen Codswell, YU In. Garden. That's the Japanese garden in Australia that I've been messing up their name multiple times, but I think I got it right this time. There also are Bonsai Best Friend Specimen Bud, uh, Louis Torres, AC Castle, Bonsai Marine, Jas Potts, Chris Fassoon, Timothy Arsenal, Randy Bennett, Victrina Ridgeway, Leron's Bonsai Yard, Nancy Hoffman, Nate Murray, Joshua Roth Tools, and JM Stewart Woodworking. We have a brand new Bonsai Best Bud, and thank you Varys Bonsai, that's the, uh, that's the name that I got from Patreon. It sounds familiar. Veries Bonsai? Oh, maybe it sounds like a Zodiac, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but varies Bonsai, thank you so much for subscribing, becoming a $5 Bonsai Best Bud. Uh, but yeah, I also can't go much further without mentioning our editor, Matt O'Donnell. He makes us sound smart. He cleans up the audio, makes us enjoyable to listen to go over to mattodonnell.com, fill out a contact form to start your own podcast show or audio engineering project with him. He's a set basis living in Nashville, Tennessee, and he's an all around awesome guy. It's in the script. I read it every single time. So now that we got that out of the way, how is it going for real guy? How are you been?
1: Oh, my God. For real or for fake?
0: Uh, get... <laughs> How are no, you feel right now? <laughs>
1: let, me, let me go for real because I think uh, a lot of people, I love everybody. I love Eye, and I kind of dropped off the face of the earth. I know it. Uh, I had my own reasons, no reasons. Uh, it wasn't like I got tired of Eye or anything, but I don't know, sometimes you need a break, and I took like a 10, 12-year hiatus. <laughs> wow. Uh, but I was happy to be... Getting reacquainted, and uh, Evan, thank you because uh, you're kind of bridging a weird gap for me uh, as um, I've been uh, gone for so long, and here we are uh, chatting online.
0: Yeah, yeah, chatting for everyone to hear your uh, your voice. I'm I'm sure for the first time recorded on something like this.
1: Well, hey, Evan, you know what? I've got to tell you, it. <laughs> why did it take me so long? I don't know, but. Uh, uh, my visit to your amazing nursery uh, a few weeks ago was such a treat. Mm-hmm. I, I start saying crazy things like one of the finest places, uh, bonsai nursery yep. uh, in America. But I got to tell you something, man. Um, my nursery—you grow uh, these trees that, boy, uh, you could just pick the lines and make some cuts and have world-class trees. in the five-year program, or in a lot of your cases, uh, next year. But yeah. I was amazed at them.
0: I Thank you so much, guys.
1: Thanks for uh, being in my backyard. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. I'm
1: uh, in my backyard.
0: Yeah. We, uh, we recently went over, uh, I was invited to go see Guy's collection. He's got, I mean, it's, I mean, God, it's your collection from, from e- forever ago. You still have some of your earliest trees. Um, if I'm correct on that. Cause I remember the horn beam and some of your other trees. I just and remember. I know, um,
1: there's like, I mean, there's at least maybe 10 or 20 trees That were mine and became property of other amazing bonsai enthusiasts that have made the full cycle and have found their way back to me. And just as I kind of have been um, uh, rejuvenated with I don't know a new breath of air here, I'm I'm loving bonsai, watching all you new guys come up and uh, and 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 take the horn uh, by the bull by the horn, and so it's fucking making me happy, man. That. I I feel like I have a lot to offer, and um, shit, I'm an old dude, man. <laughs> I'm like uh, I want to share it now. I used to think uh, I wanted to hide or, or or keep some secrets, to but hell no! When I got people like you and Justin and 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 all these amazing uh, young artists around uh, the country, I just so if I have if I have anything to offer, it'll be a pleasure, and you can take it uh, like a grain of salt because uh, some of the things I offer take my advice I'm not using it kind of shit
0: uh, yeah I mean it's sitting up there what, what are you gonna do with it anyway right that's
1: right
0: <laughs> uh but yeah so I have like I said I have mentioned you a few times in previous episodes uh because whenever I mentioned the likes of Randy and uh and Vaughn and stuff we uh we kind of go in circles about how you guys have been a major influence on southeastern bonsai in the United States, as well as bald cypresses, of course. Uh, so before that's we get right. too far ahead of ourselves, uh, let's, let's take a little journey back to the beginning of, uh, of your bonsai journey. So how, where did it all start?
1: Cool. Yikes. You mean that's a long time ago. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so what are you asking me? Oh, so how did I get, how was I introduced to bonsai?
0: Yeah, where did you see your first bonsai and, and what sparked your interest? Wow,
1: okay. Uh, back in 1984, uh, me and my wife Chris and um, my first son, a little guy was born in 1984. We moved into a one-bedroom apartment uh, on Metairie Heights in Old Metairie uh, and uh, the guy that rented us the apartment, uh, he had the the a little courtyard down below. Like, oh God, Jesus, it's crazy. He had like six or seven little skinny ball cypress that were growing in like plastic pots and, and dishes from from the kitchen and a few elm trees. It was like, Holy cow, I couldn't believe what I was looking at just as a kid. I knew like, this is something I've got to learn. I got to do this. I was a body inventor mechanic, it's very good with my hands, but. It is, it is like I never saw anything like it, and in the same year 1984, there was a world convention, uh, in New Orleans, uh, it was um BCI, uh, slash world convention, and it was like I found a way to get to it. Um, and I went to the convention, I met Bol- I was, I, wa- I didn't, I didn't, I, I, I didn't sign up for workshops or anything, I had just been doing bonsai for a year on my own, uh, but. Nonetheless, when I viewed their uh their exhibit by chance, and just by chance alone, it was Vaughn Banting who was the monitor of um, yeah. the, the the that 1984 uh World Convention of uh, the New Greater New Orleans Onsai Society's exhibit. You know, how we do everybody takes a shift. You get two or three hours and you talk to the public and, and try to get them to sign up so they might perhaps join your local club. Uh, but I started asking Vaughn questions and he said, guy, jeez, he said, you're asking questions. How long have you been doing bonsai? I said, well, almost a year. And he said, "Uh, where do you live? And I told him I live where I live, which fuck if I can still remember that after all these years. No, I was just joking. (laughs) Metairie Heights, right off of Metairie Road. And it was just a coincidence and a match made in heaven that Vaughn Banting lived as a crow flies eight blocks away from where I live. And he said, man, I would love to come see what you're doing. And mm-hmm. I had a great experience with him, it was very uplifting and you know, I witnessed some of the demos and workshops and uh, went back to my own devices, never being a part of a club or anything. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went to a Japanese cultural fair the following year and there was Vaughn Banting. He was teaching, doing a workshop. and. And and had an exhibit with the New Orleans Bones Life Society. It was like holy oh cow. Anyway, long story short, which should have been shortened a long time ago. Vaughn mm-hmm. said, "I want to come to your house." And he came to my house on Metairie Heights. And he said, "Holy shit, guy! I don't even, You have giant trees. And the reason I had big trees was because my first book, the first thing I ever read. Excuse me, not to regress. Is uh, but the first time." Uh, When when I first moved into this one-bedroom apartment, uh, I was literally driving this man Mark Tenenfeld, my first teacher, crazy because he didn't know anything about bonsai. He had merely bartered, he was a a contractor and he had traded some work for a few bonsai trees. And so, his lovely wife Heidi, Heidi Tenenfeld, that Christmas, wasn't even a year, six months into bonsai, went to a garage sale. And she found a book and she gifted it to me for that Christmas. And it was John Naka Techniques 2. And it's it. like, I read that book like a hundred times in, in a week. And it was like, holy cow. I mean, some of the projects who was working on, I realized I can do this. I have trees this size. I know where trees are like this. Bald cypress and other trees out in the swamp. I mean, I grew up out in the swamps basically. And um, and so, very quickly, I started amassing, collecting from John Naka's books, Without a Bones Eye Society, I had a whole year's worth of stumps that I had collected and potted properly. And so Vaughn came over the, the year after I met him at uh, the convention, the World Convention. And when he walked into my tiny yard, it was only like eight feet by 12 feet, but it was jammed full of like 13 or 14 pretty big ass trees. And he said, Holy cow, guy. He said, this is amazing. He said, you got bigger trees than I have. I've been doing this my whole life. I teach Bollinger all around the world. He said, if you would have made this cut where I made maybe at two feet up in the air on a big trunk, uh, he said, if you would have made it a foot lower, you'd have freaking amazing trees. And so, I he left and I cut, it was springtime, I cut every tree down and- where he suggested, started over, wasted a whole year's worth of growth. And um and instead of growing the tree, it's like my wife cried. She's like, Are you crazy? You just cut everything you've been working on for you down again. Well, anyway, long story short, Vaughn came back that, that fall and he said, Oh shit, guys, this is me. He said, You're the first person that really took my advice and uh I want to be your teacher. And so Vaughn from that moment on took me under his wing and I became his teacher. Um uh, and, and here I uh, took out.
0: Yeah. Uh and so I mean you went on to I mean there there's a lot of there's a lot more stuff that happened after Vaughn cuz you went on to have your own nursery eventually yes. um and you did some stuff where uh you actually got to meet uh John Naka at one point correct
1: Oh meet John Naka John Naka used to come to my house Yeah John, yeah Yeah I hosted I mean this is how cool it was back then in the 80s John Naka was kind of getting burnt out on bonsai in the sense that he had been traveling the world for so long, and he was kind of he was kind of ticked off at a lot of people at home, back at home. Hey. And he told us, me and Vaughn, in the New Orleans Bonsai Society, but uh, more so, me Vaughn, in our private. It was it was a study group. A uh, Vaughn study group was the entire New Orleans area and the world's platform, for that matter, but. Vaughn had like eight of us, and he was teaching us bonsai. And uh we had Vaughn. I mean, Vaughn started hiring John to come to his house, and we'd all go there. And then Vaughn said, "Guy, why don't you host it?" So I started hosting it. Went to my house, and then we did this several times. And like, like it's crazy. Okay, Evan, Damn. back in nineteen eighty-six, maybe I don't know eighty-six or eighty-seven. We John Naka, we brought John Naka in uh to the for the Knobs, the Greater New Orleans Bonsai Society for our spring garden show um, at Park Botanic Gardens. And so John uh he was looking at the exhibit and I had back then it was kind of a it was crazy because a lot of people didn't like me because I was taking giant cypress trees and different trees and cutting them down and carving taper into them. And what I thought was I was doing really good, but they were hating on me and it was like they didn't like it. But then all of a sudden like John walked up to a tree he said, My the first good cypress tree I made, but, and it wasn't a great tree, but back then it was a good tree. Man. It was like the best tree that I had made in like three years, going on four years now on the bonsai and John Naka walks up to the tree that's on exhibit at uh the New Orleans Bones at, at our uh, at our meeting at City Park, Spring Garden show. And I thought he was just joking because he was the master and it's just like I read his books now by that I read everything he ever wrote, even uh all of his Nakaisms from uh Nina and Larry Regal that wrote all that. You know, that it's a great book incidentally. Uh but but nonetheless, he walks up to my tree and he's, oh, he said, oh, your tree, I was 24, 25, 26, I was 27, 27 to 28, I don't know, I guess that's a long time, <laughs> the tree looked like old man trees, and so, well, yeah, and um, he said, could I have it, and I was like, why Vaughn's sitting by my side, I actually have a picture of that day, I just saw it recently that somebody snapped with an instant camera, but... Uh, he asked me, could he have the tree? And I of course what are you gonna tell? Of course you can have the tree. You mm. know? That's uh, so unbeknownst to me. Um Vaughn knew that John was doing it was the the knocka pavilion in DC mm-hmm. at the National Arboretum. And he, he he got my tree and I think two or three of Vaughn's trees. But it mm. was honor of my life right there. And so from that moment on, um then my life had changed because I was a body and fender mechanic, and it didn't take long. Uh, but fr- I made a transition from being a body and fender mechanic to I started. It was weird because after like eight or ten years, I was like teaching Bones Eye all over the world. You know, and- Tra- Bone would say, "No, John, would say God, can you do this? Can you do that?" And and so my my. My workshops with John and my private times with John and Vaughn, like I'll just tell you, like, just so you know not to, so don't forget to ask me about it sometime in passing when we're together. Uh, I told John I want to make I want to make Goshen, man. Shit. And, and oh, he said, You'll know when it's time to make Goshen. He said, You keep making your big trees, make big trees, make big trees. But when it's time, you'll know it's time to make Goshen. We'll try Ian. to. And so, from that moment on, I've been thinking about that stupid tree forever and ever. And so, always trying to make it. Nobody could ever beat that tree, but still, it's fun to fantasize and to uh, and to, to to have something that might resemble it
0: in collection or that. So, for the uh, our listeners out there, Goshin or Gushin uh, is the how many trees? It's thirteen. No, it's eleven trees. Eleven. Okay. And it's Goder of the spirits.
1: It's yep. Probably no doubt one of the most iconic bonsai in In the the world. world. Yeah, because John Naka was from Japan and in fact still in the high school that he left, they have his books. John Naka, okay, this is what the world really doesn't understand is that the Japanese have their ways, their classical bonsai, but nobody until John Naka put it in words, in writing, made first branch, second branch, just so you can get a feel for how to come to create these proportions to make trees look old with negative space in a Fibonacci golden rule way. Yeah. And that John, people, they think, oh, no, no, he wrote those rules, man, that the world, even the Japanese acknowledge and follow because he got it from them, but they never put it in, in, in words. In- yeah. Pretty cool. So, yeah, I was, I was very fortunate because I guess John Knocker did like me. When I, find my, <laughs> when I find people like you and Justin that are busting big-ass trees, that's what I gravitate towards. I like small trees, too. I yeah. like it all. But I'm still, well, I like the big trees. Mm. And when I find the small ones, I do my best to make them as as, as at home in my collection, which is a very small collection. I mean... Everybody's always rebuilding collections and uh, it's fun. i realize realized now that's the, that's it, man. To make the trees, not to have them. I fuck, hate, I hate having them. <laughs> I like making them. Yeah. And if here to a point, then, then it's somebody else's job, you know?
0: Yeah. I
1: mean. Maybe me the steward of the trees and just maintain them. Well then sure. That's a great job. That's a great place to be. And like, I, I'd find it more uh, interesting to be in the fetal stages of a project
0: yeah and so you've you, you've chased down trying to develop and make your own goshen um and did you ever get to work on the actual goshen was that ever uh, something that passed yeah,
1: i've touched goshen so many times and talked about it with john like three awesome. times mm-hmm. but in front of the tree but never i never pinched, pruned or any oh, of wow. uh, the curators uh, that's their job, and they've done a magnificent job at the National Arboretum. And, a big job, and you know, uh, everything has an expiration date. Everything we all do. I mean, unfortunately, it's just the way it is. John yeah. naco was taking cuttings. Ninety-three years old, he was still taking cuttings. It's like, okay, all right, so we can keep making trees, but yeah. so everything has an expiration date, just as trees do, and. Yeah. And trees that are the counterparts to bonsai in nature certainly enjoy the greatest longevity on the face of the earth, oldest organisms. Um, and so, for us to create that same look, that same feel of, of the oldest living things on earth in miniature and pots, we push trees to the limit, which means we, uh, we diminish the their life expectancy. It's not 3,000 years when it's in a pot, you know what I'm saying? But we can make it look like 3,000 years. Uh, Certainly, uh, we can grow them for hundreds and hundreds of years in the pots. But uh, still, uh, the jury's not out on, you know, let me see a tree that's been in a pot for 1,000
0: years. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. I mean, it might be pretty tough. I don't know what the oldest tree would be in a pot that's known. I know that there's the white pine that's, That one was 400, suspected, the one that's in the National Arboretum. Do you know of any other older ones?
1: Well, I know there's older ones in Japan. Hey, look, Mm -hmm. not to say anything negative, because, you know, there's three ages to bonsai. There's the actual age, how old the tree is from the time it was a seed, from propagation to current. And then there's uh, how long uh, has it been a bonsai Mm -hmm. in a pot, a true bonsai. But yeah, that's all good and fine and dandy. It's nice to start with the old tree. Fuck yeah! But the react the 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 beauty of bonsai is: oh, did I make it look? I don't care if it's a fifty-year-old tree. What if I make it look like a three three hundred-year-old tree? You know. Mm-hmm. And so this whole notion of it's all relative. I have a hard time thinking anything is a thousand years old that's four foot tall. Sorry, uh, uh-uh. uh. i don't really? know. <laughs> it, yeah. buy but I see it. I feel it. Uh maybe I'm wrong. I oh, hope I am wrong, but I don't think anything four foot tall is no. No.
0: Yeah, no, no.
1: But maybe there's look I'm starting to believe in aliens and shit. I don't know. <laughs> I guess I just gotta have faith. yeah Doesn't matter as long as we're having fun doing it right. And right yeah. now I mean, you're having a lot of fun from the looks of your nursery, dude. Your place is fucking crazy.
0: Yeah. Amazed. Yeah. I mean I'm trying a little bit of everything out there you know because you know like the big trees like you said that's that's a huge part I think it also it's a huge part of our culture as far as Louisiana bonsai goes I mean everybody wants that big bald cypress in their collection you know and usually the bigger the cypress the better the quality you know like the the flutes and the knees and the you know yeah. the, the serious taper and it's just you know you play around with that just the to, to,
1: it looks The bigger you get on a tree, the more convincing you can be in scale, you know? With branching, twigging, truck size height, uh, uh, all that. Uh, It's such an amazing equation. (laughs) But yeah, man. And so, it's it's funny, Evan, that okay, I live just right down the street on the other side of a horse farm and then my son lives right down the next street down at the bottoms by the river. And then my youngest son lives where there's a tree farm and then he lives at the very bottom uh his house and then you are at the very top. He lives between two tree farms, a bonsai farm, and he grew up on a bonsai nursery his whole life, but now he lives at the bottom of the hill and, and there is Underhill and at the bottom of the hill to the to the other direction is pretty trees isn't that crazy yeah. so so i'm really happy where with where my kids
0: are yeah surrounded by bonsai forever
1: yeah <laughs> that's right <laughs>
0: yeah so uh, this podcast is supported by bonsai bar the beginner bonsai workshop popping up in breweries all across the northeast Bonsai Bar is two hours of tiny tree goodness disguised as a night out with friends. Come grab drinks, create a new tree and watch as your friends and family get the bug for bonsai. Bonsai Bar is always looking for teachers and assistants and you listen to this podcast. So you're probably already qualified. Bring your knowledge out to the bar. Apply today. Find event tickets, contact info and more at
1: bonsaibar.com. It's a, it's a fun journey and um, it's a journey that, um it, it brings you places, you know, it, it it gets you in touch. Like for instance, how about this Evan? And this is a good one because I'm really dissatisfied with everyone, the common person's awareness of this amazing fall color that we have been experiencing for seven weeks now. Oh yeah. And we're in another roll of it. Right now, I've got new trees, bonsai turning, getting the best fall color. I've had in my entire life, but it it has been, it's lingering the fall color. So when you exit, when you go home tonight, well, you won't see the colors unless it's a full moon, but tomorrow morning, a lot of the new trees colors are going to be maxed out. Check it out. Check it it out, you guys, the whole... uh, Check out fall color in southeast Louisiana, best in 40 years.
0: Oh, yeah. I know I woke up this morning and uh, my big water elm that I've been working with for a while, the one that I brought to the national oh, show. Dude,
1: that brought back so many memories that it's a fun tree.
0: Yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah, I woke up this morning. I looked at that tree. It was golden this morning. I was like, oh, no way. I didn't know it was going to be this <laughs> good. And it, and I'm like, tomorrow it's going to be better. I already can tell because of the way the tinge was and the rest of the uh, the green. And I was like, this is going to be awesome. So, yeah, it's... I, I mean, I'm only in my early 30s, so I mean this will probably be one of the better <laughs> falls I ever experienced and I hope it's not the last one like Oh my
1: this. god, I'm so glad you said that because yeah. it is, I, well for me, 40 years of bonsai, it's the best. It wasn't until bonsai that my awareness of certain things, just nature period, I was more of a different kind of kid growing up, but it wasn't until my exposure to bonsai that made me aware of of of... of the stars, man, and today, day before, it was like the most incredible meteor shower and I never saw, you you see a shooting star now and then, but two days ago, I saw six meteorites with one glance looking up. I saw it over and over again and Bonsai makes you aware of that kind of stuff and nobody was aware of it. Y'all should have missed it. Justin, I'm sure you missed it. You don't see one, I'm sure, but but the thing is, same thing with the fall color. It wasn't until Bonside, this is my connection uh experience, that I became aware of the non-present fall color that we experience every fall in Southeast Louisiana. And uh, and we do have good years now and then. Our our gum trees and tallow trees, uh, and some of the maples and elms and, and and oaks do some get some, but this year. Is a spectacular. It's superb, really and to, to all the rest, man, uh, I'm I, I just. I've been photographing stupid trees driving down the highway. How crazy is that? Gosh, because so- I <laughs> want to remember this because it may not ever happen again.
0: Yeah, and uh and based off of all the stuff with like how we're talking about fall color and all this right now, I mean, we are. I would say we are a deciduous dominated bonsai culture here would you would you think that or I know you have had a lot of uh, junipers and pines in your collection but
1: but no I think you're right uh I mean evergreens and let's exclude junipers and pines out and then I would say 70 percent of most uh southeasterner this whole south area um straight across from the east uh all the way to uh texas is, yeah, more deciduous, uh, but it's weird because right now, if I, so if I, like all my trees that are deciduous, it's more, I think I have more conifers and evergreens right now in my life, in this point in my collection, than I did uh, any other time uh, that I'd say it's 60% right now, I still conifers and evergreens. Um, opposed to deciduous trees, oh, you know. Amen. But right, so, what do I like best? Man, it's not. Nah, there's, I, there's no, no. It's apples and oranges. Um, yeah, sure. Amazing. But this year, uh, the deciduous trees have proved themselves to shine above everything else. Not just the bones eye, but the counterparts kind of along the highways and in the yards. Um, and uh, it's, it's really good. But I can't wait to talk to you about real bonsai stuff in the not-too-distant future. Do you have any mm. back? Because, Evan, I I, I really want to talk, and we'll do it, I'm sure, mm-hmm. off uh, But, yeah, because there's so many things that I want to tell you about uh, that take more than an hour uh, a time. <laughs>
0: uh, well, yeah. I mean, like... We're not compressed down to an exactly an hour, so you have more time to share. Trust me. You're, you're doing really good. You've been talking for half the time uh that we would need to make this uh this episode uh good. And you've already done above and beyond what, what uh uh what we were looking for as far as talking today, man. You can you can say what you want. Um so Well hey, saying that, I tell you what, um I know I can
1: get roughy I can say sometimes so you might have to say hey guy stop uh, but I do have a lot to say Evan and you're giving me a little bit of an opportunity because maybe I do want to share some stuff that I find sacred to myself uh, yeah. or or just that it's new that now that I'm entering another phase of my life uh, that I'm in my golden years bro but I plan to keep on kicking for a long time but nonetheless i uh, I've, I've, I've changed everything about the way I grow bonsai, everything, and and you, you, if you want to know why, there's too many reasons to like pinpoint anything, but I will say that the older you get, the more valuable your time is, and that if you want to have a big collection of bonsai, if you love it the way we all do, and uh, well, then maybe you have to figure out, or I need to figure out how can I minimize the amount of man hours I invest into my collection and still have a collection. So I realized there's compromises like I am so happy having, I want to have a healthy, vigorous collection of trees that have vitality. Uh, I do not want to maintain them at a show ready status. I realized that there's a lot of things I don't want to do anymore, I but I'm very comfortable knowing that my trees are perhaps even healthier than maintaining at a show status or near show status uh, moment than to being a year away. I like the whole idea of being a year away. If somebody says, hey, guy, you got a year to get a tree ready, well, fucking right, I could do that. Uh, But it also allows me to have really old shit big overgrown shit that is happy happy in in their spots which means that i'm not bothering bothered with pests and disease to the at at a high level that it's minimalized by the course that i'm taking that the direction i'm taking is minimalizing the amount of time it takes to have good trees in my opinion uh it's minimalizing, it's it's actually eliminating pest and disease uh, from uh, the Bonsai arena in my yard only because uh, that I'm not do, I'm no longer promoting new growth through pruning and fertilizing after springtime when we get into summertime months. That's when all that shit happens. And so it's a whole new way uh, that I'm finding comforting. Uh, it's it it'll, it gives me a, a place where I'm comfortable knowing how to remedy any problem that I have, or at least close to it. Most most things after all these years, I know how to remedy the problem. I can yeah, identify it, whether it be bacterial, fungal, you know, it, whether it's pest or any other types of disease. And what I've discovered was, and this is what's going to be good because I'll get to leave you with this shit, is that that my new direction eliminates 99% of pests and disease out of the equation of my bonsai. And it also, and if bonsai people wonder, why is my bonsai collection, how, has it have the deciduous trees already lost their leaves? When the trees in my backyard still have it and yeah. they're still in a different mood, I am very happy and it's this is my third year and now I'm becoming an expert on it, making my trees grow without pruning the way their counterparts do proportionally and maintain short internodes and just, I don't know, it's new to me uh, but yeah. it is worth discussing.
0: Mm. It's. It is a, a very unique technique. You've shown me a little bit of it in your uh, your garden not too long ago, but it is allowing the trees to run their full extent without cutting back as often as you would in, uh, in previous years that you've worked on bonsai. That's what you explained to me.
1: Yes, absolutely. Well said. Thank Get you. It. It, it's like I've, there's so much that I'd, I'd like crosses over in them, uh, but I would like to. I need. I would like to write it down. Yeah. Uh, so that I can accurately intelligently say it uh because I've never it's just it's just a process that I've been uh, using it, it, I've been doing it without a true program yeah. other than I'm'm I'm, I'm, I'm I, I stick to it I do if I'm going to say I'm do this this week and that week this week and alternate I'm doing all these things that. Uh, the end at the end of a of a physical year of a growing cycle. The trees are in the exact same place their counterparts are. Mm. it's teaching me volumes about the four seasons, the cycles of tree, and how important and how beneficial it can be. and under, I understand that certain times you're going to have to deviate from what I'm saying, going back to where I've always been, where everybody is. But there's there's a lot to talk about um, and and I'm excited um, that you're just right up the road so we could continue mm. this.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, and I mean, as time goes on, like you said, like you're right down the road. I mean, once you kind of develop this technique more and more, I can I mean, you showed me a picture of the of that elm tree that you trimmed back. In, um, I mean isn't it looking good? Oh, it looks, it looks amazing. Yeah. The American elm where you just got it right back, nice and tight and everything's, all the branches are nice and beefy and they're believable. It's, it, it really is. And then that's three and a half years. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. From like a 30 foot tall tree. Yeah. where you pulled it out and, uh, and you carved down the back and you, how big is the pot that you got it in? It's, it's a monster though. It's, it's a big tree. It's bigger than any bald
1: cypress that I have. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I don't have a bald cypress that has a, a chunk that big, a
1: solid chunk like that. Yeah. Um, uh, not, not in my yard. There's another one. You saw the judge that's in a different yard. Yeah. That big one that's in that micropot, yeah. that one's. it's still the same size base as that. That's how big it is. It's huge. I don't know how yeah, big Our,
0: uh, our listeners, big. an idea. How big, how round is it?
1: It's round, I don't know, 18, 20, above the spread of the roots. Maybe twenty inches for ten inches for yeah, five then. inches and then fifteen inches another three inches and then and then ten inches two inches and then five inches another two inches then two inches, it just ends. It yeah. ends
0: what really and, and convincingly. Yeah. And you can't even wrap your arms around the thing. It's, <laughs> it's it really is a monster. Yeah,
1: you got a bunch of them like that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Hey guys, it's Evan. Just wanted to take a moment to tell you guys about uh, Bonsai Central. It's going to be a professional size show. going to be put on in uh, St. Louis, Missouri. Technically, Collinsville, Illinois. Uh, but it's right in the same metro area. It's going to be May 3rd to 5th in 2024. It's going to be an amazing show. They're going to have top quality trees showing... Uh, similar to what they had at the Bones- Pacific Bonsai Expo and the U.S. National Show. There's also going to be a Kusamono and Soiseki exhibit as well. And so with all those trees on display, there's going to be cash prizes. There's going to be 7,500, 7,500 prices, including the top prize that's going to be 2,500 for Best Tree and Show. Uh, there's going to be awards presentation dinner. Um, it's going to be included in the registration. And so make sure you go over to Bonesai Central. So it's going to be dot centralcom and go over there and uh, and submit your submission fee. They have a call for trees right now and uh, they will be uh, accepting submissions up until February 1st. So make sure you get your pictures and your and your examples of how your display is going to look over to uh, to Bonsai Central. It's going to be Timothy Houston that you'll be dealing with exclusively for the, uh, for the tree submissions. He's looking for two to four photos of your tree or display a brief de- and a brief description of your tree. Uh, exhibited trees, uh, Suiseki and kusamono will be included in a book, a show book like they do similar for the national show. Um, also, make sure that you come and check out the vendors that will be at Boneside Central this year coming up. They're going to have amazing bonsai potters, uh, you're going to have amazing bonsai stand makers, uh, just to name a few. you can going to have now uh, uh Vicki Chamberlain, Ellie Atkins of Wal- 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 uh, Waldo Street Pottery, April Gaspi, Roy Miner- Mineraya, and also Byron Myrick, just to name a few. It's going to be sellers of imported Japanese and anti- antique Chinese pots, as well as uh, nurseries from all around the country featuring Yamadori pre-bonsai, Mid-range to show quality trees in Cosumano for sale. So when you attend the show, you can pick up a, tr- a show tree there and uh, hopefully have something that you can enter the show the next year. Um, don't also don't miss out on our amazing Bonesight headliners. So as far as Bonesight artists, including Bjorn Bjornholm, Taylor Sh- uh, Sherid, Miria Hijik, Andrew Robson, and Mario Steinberger, and I can't forget the Kusimono master herself, Yang Cho, who will all be giving workshops and presentations. So go over to bonsai-central.com and fill out your form and register and submit your tree or there are buy tickets for the weekend and come celebrate Bonsai with us. I, there, was one, there was one thing I wanted to see if you were uh, willing to go back and talk about a little bit more. Is uh, Are you comfortable talking about Twister? No, I'd love to talk about Twister. Well, uh, so let's, let's just uh, get off the ground here from uh, from the start. Is that for our listeners out there, um, if you go Google Guy Guidry Twister, then you'll get the picture of the man and the tree. Um, so from what I've seen only in pictures, this was quite... I, I, for, the, for the first time, my listeners out there, I'm going to say it. This was quite the fucking tree. I don't normally cool. uh, curse on the show, but... Hell yes. it, it was a huge tree. I mean, you're how tall are you, guy? I'm at least 6'8"? Six eight. Six eight? Yeah, you were pretty tall. <laughs>
1: Whatever. All right, I'm six foot at least. Yeah, six I don't know one. how tall
0: you are. <laughs> well, I'm really bad at heights and like and stuff. Like that. So, how tall are you actually? Do you even know? 6'1"? Six one. Six one? Okay. Brown
1: eyes, hundred
0: ninety eight pounds. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, yeah, but white hair. It used to be black though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was much darker. I've seen younger pictures. It's really <laughs> surprising. Uh, I've only known you gray. And I was
1: it back then.
0: Yeah. Uh, but yeah, if you look at that picture, you'll see guys standing next to it. And that just kind of gives you an idea how big this tree was. And it had a beautiful twist to it. I mean, he called it Twister for a reason. And it just started at the base. And it just did this gradual twist all the way up. And it tapered like like a Hershey kiss. It was perfect. Um, and so. A lot of people will probably know this iconic tree from just being one of the biggest and most showy bald cypresses of North America, you know, that you just see it in, online and in magazines and then it went to the first national show. Um,
1: the very first, yes.
0: Yeah, which is incredible. You can go look at the first national show uh, in Rochester, New York, uh, Bill Valvanis's show. It was the...
1: Bill, hey, it did not win any awards, but Bill graced me he put my tree on his his cover. He I put know. it on the cover of BCI. It was so cool. It was such a beautiful picture.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. That's an awesome picture of that tree. And if I can get a picture of it, I might even be able to use it for the thumbnail for this episode so you guys can just see it for reference. Uh, oh, without yeah. even having to bother go through all that work. But yeah, um, so with Twister, I mean, it's just the question is like, because I look at it and the dead wood, the way it's incorporated with the branching and the way that it tapers, like, where did that tree even start? Where do you even start with a piece of material like that?
1: Evan, it's so funny. Evan, I'm gonna go back to Vaughn Banting study group. Me, Brian Herner, Gary Marshall, even Melakita from California was there at this time. And there was a tree, it wasn't far off the railroad tracks in the swamp, but it was like too big. It was like it had a flute, it had it had two flutes that were excessive, that made the tree like five feet wide at the base when yeah. the tree wasn't near nothing like that. Mm-hmm. And so a few years went by and I stumbled stung across the tree again and I thought, man, if I just cut those flutes off, if I just get rid of that, that I could put this in a pot because I kept telling everybody, I said, God, what about that one? Yeah, well, what, I'm going to put it in an eight-foot pot? Well, anyway, nonetheless. I dug it up and right there on the spot, I cut those flutes off, two flutes, and this was it was me and Smitty. Uh, This tree was, it was like 40 feet tall, big, but it had a twist. It had a twist that, it was like three-quarters of a twist, maybe five feet up, you know what I'm saying? It was almost a full twist.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And so, we dug it up, I cut those flutes off, we drug it to the railroad tracks. And a train was coming, an engine, just an engine, no, no cars behind it. And he stopped because this guy, he said, "I've been watching y'all for years do this shit, dragging these trees <laughs> out." He said, "You want to ride?" I said, "Are you kidding me?" Me and Smitty lifted that tree up, we put it on the on the steps of the engine, and he drove us all the way to Swamp Road, where car was parked. So that was the beginning of it, and it was like. It's still so big. What do I do with it? So I, I, I continued pruning on the two flares that went out forever. Bam. And then it got down to a manageable size. Uh, it was so manageable that I was able to put it into a homemade pot. It was like, hell yeah, out of wood. And, uh, Justin, it didn't take any time at all. Oh, uh, like two, not even three years. I had carved taper all it from the very beginning and it had like, a roll as thick as my thumb from top to bottom uh, roll. Yeah. And then another four or five years went by and I was negligent and I had a rotten spot. I had a hole like in between the dead wood and in and the, um, the where I carved taper into it that had like this much roll a thumb thickness a roll two, an inch and a half a roll. And uh, I had this beautiful piece of Rocky Mountain Juniper. And I was like mad. I was pissed off at the world for something. I don't know what it was. And I took this piece of Rocky Mountain Juniper and I shoved it into this hole of the tree. And I just forgot about the tree. And then I started, it's like a year later, it was going to be Bill uh show, the first exhibition. Yeah. And when I looked at Twister as like, I can't get this piece of wood out of there because the tree was like, the new leader was like 10 feet tall and it encapsulated the piece of wood. And it was just by coincidence, the piece of wood, and this is just between you and me, says, fuck you. It's a bird. It's a whole arm sticking out saying, fuck you.
0: <laughs>
1: That's what that is. Uh, and, and so it was no way I could get that. Now the tree's growing around that piece of wood. And then yeah. it went by. It's like, I got a year to turn this into something. Cause the rest of it was good. It was just a top that I let grow. And I I brought it up there and and it was dude, it, it was like Bill said, God, so it's big, but it can't go on any benches. So he put it on the ground in a spot at the end of one bench, which was perfect. It was perfect. It fit nicely. And man, it was just like such a great experience. I'd love to experience something like this again. Well, Bill's big freaking show. Uh, but I got that. I, I, even though I didn't win anything, he put it on the cover of his magazine. And then the second I went home, within about a week or two, well, I get a phone call and somebody says, Hey, I'm on your Facebook and I want this eight trees I want. They have prices on them. And then there's two other trees that don't have prices on them. And he said, One of them's this. Twisted bald cypress, and has said twister. He said he said I like to buy that one too. And I'm thinking bullshit. You know this? He just said 120 thousand dollars worth of truths on my inflated prices at the time. People thought everything I would do was inflated because I can only do it one time. So it's it's valuable to me. You know what I'm saying? Damn I'm dude. not gonna be I'm, I'm gonna be dead soon. So shit, <laughs> God, that's just the way it is, man. But anyway, he said I, he said how much? I said. 45. He said, okay, I'll take that one too. And that was a nightmare because it was like a whole bunch of money and the guy says, okay, give me your banking information and uh, I'm going to wire you the money. He'll be there by six o'clock this evening. And mm. check, no money. I checked eight, nine. It's like, oh, it's just somebody fucking with me. You know what I'm saying? I just figured somebody's messing with me. And the next day I get a phone call from him saying, I apologize. I have to use a different bank. Uh, nonetheless, it'll be in there by six o'clock. No, he said by noon. It's like noon, no money. No, it's like six o'clock, no money. It's like I, I wasn't going to check. So the next day, he called. He, he he left a message. It'll be there today. It's like I was not going to check again. I wasn't going to check. Well, anyway, it was six o'clock. I said I couldn't help myself. I yeah. swore to myself I wasn't going to fall to this shit and anyway I checked it was like what all this money in my bank is like he bought it he did he bought that and 12 others and, he, like, oh, shit. and then Twister disappeared and then Twister went to then this person had some financial difficulties with the movie industry and then something else happened where everything was liquidated and from what I understand I think Twister wound up in Mexico. Mexico, Mexico, that's odd. And then one of my dear friends, somebody said, "Wouldn't it be nice to reunite some of your trees, get some of your trees back from when you, from back then?" And so uh, they started finding some of my older trees, and um, I don't know that it was like, it seemed like it was possible that this party was going to get Twister and put it in their collection. But that's been two years, and the guy said that he had Twister for two years, and it would never made it to his collection, because it's always been in a holding spot where they were waiting for a pot that was coming from Japan that was like a $20,000 pot they were going to put it in. And so he said he wants to have the tree in his collection at least one year, and he would be willing to sell it. And so my friend said, well, he would be interested. As two aficionados uh, speak, and uh, and so where that tree is now, I don't know.
0: You just haven't seen Twister since. Like, how long ago was your last? Okay, what year was uh was Bill's first the 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 first exhibition? Ooh, that's that's a good question because he's had nine, I think. Yeah, he's had nine in there every other year, and I just went to the I just went to the ninth one, I believe. Ooh. Oh god! I think it was actually. If well, I think back, hold
1: that's on. when I. That's the last time I saw it was after that convention, and uh, and then it made it back home. It made it back home, and then shortly after that is when it sold from the nursery from here in Covington.
0: Okay, so yeah, the first U.S. national show would have been in two thousand and eight. Okay,
1: then it sold in 2008. Wait, what What month?
0: Uh, October.
1: It might have been 2009,
0: early 2009. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then you just, it kind of just went from there. Um, oh, you thought it was gone. Oh, but then
1: Kimura Bonsai, uh, Robert Pressler in California, yes, Kimura Bonsai, he was a caretaker of that tree for many years.
0: No shit.
1: Three years, Robert Pressler and other trees. Like I have a very old Cascade Hackberry, uh, a Celtus lavigata or Celtis La Uh in I don't know the uh, in the California collection. There's a few of my trees that are there that came from that deal. I, I don't know if they're still there. You know what I'm saying? But but Robert Pressler knows the history of. Of where they went when they left me.
0: You know what's you know what's funny is that um, not the pre, not the episode before this one, but the one before that. I had I had Robert Pressler on the show, and I was talking to him just like barely two weeks ago. And it's really funny you mentioned that. Robert, shit. I love that guy. He's cool as can be. Yeah, that's awesome. When you mentioned, that, I was like, wait a second. There's no way. That's just a coincidence.
1: Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, no. Robert Pressler. Uh, and then when all this happened, he was tasked with having to liquidate the entire huge collection of these trees. Rainbow. Not just mine. I'm sure he had other trees in the collection because he had like 12, 13 of my trees, but he, he, had, he had all kinds of trees he was buying from everywhere. You know what I'm saying? Man, that is- he had a lot of shit
0: yeah well that's that's crazy like that we, we yeah, so a-
1: yeah it, dude, trees how can that be bonsai without so is bonsai art or is it just freaking i don't know what it is i don't know if it's art it can be i guess
0: mm-hmm. yeah it's like they the trees can pass through people's hands you have to create it then you sell it and then it and then it's like it does it become high in art at that point like and then you you like you mentioned earlier, it's like you enjoy the process of creating the trees more than you like having them. Yeah. But I mean, it's just I I mean, I want to be honest. I I have a collection that means the world to me, just because some of the trees I've done things with them, like I've gone to shows with them, or they were a gift from somebody. I mean, it's just I see it I see it a little differently too, and it's 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 interesting to hear that you would make trees for so long. And now you've kind of come around back to it again. I mean, uh, now I'd like to have a couple of them. Yeah. And hey,
1: how about this? So, trees. So, yeah, you have trees for so long. Wow. How profound the fact that you have kids for so long, too. I have four <laughs> kids, four kids, Evan. And each and every one of my kids I love more than life itself. They're Who all the it? same. I like to tell them when they're alone that I love you more than the other one and shit like that. <laughs> just doesn't <the other> <laughs> <laughs> but nothing is better Not there's no there's no love stronger than a paternal or a maternal love for a son or a daughter you know what I'm saying nothing but bonsai is right there Bonsai's yeah yeah right. it's pretty close to that your kids yeah. grow up you have families and they're gone you still have the freaking trees way longer than you have kids what the shit <laughs> and so little guy was like a baby he said when he was like four years old I love this he says you love those trees more than you love me. Uh I said, baby, I hug. I said, No, I love you just as much. <laughs> that's, so there you go. <laughs> yeah.
0: And uh and so with your with your kids, uh have, do they practice bone I mean, this is just purely for like a fun question. I mean, do they practice or they have they ever they, shown interest? What they do like for instance, a guy Guy could
1: guy can make diazes as good as anybody in the world. And then for stones. Guy can wire. I don't give a shit how big a tree is, if it needs raffia, duct tape, whatever. He he'll say, Dad, you mean you want to move this branch? And say, yes. So it might take three, four wraps of some six or something, but he can wire better than I can. He can wire yeah, yeah. better, but he's it's more meticulous. Okay. He's way meticulous. He Man. Kn- just beautiful. So, and then what happened was over the years, because I used to pay him ah, ten bucks an hour to wire a full tree. And he might get paid fifty bucks for wire a giant ass tree that was going to make me a shit ton of money. But then he started fucking bending and styling, which pissed me off because but then he started good <laughs> job. <laughs> but no, that's not. I wasn't paying into style. I was paying yeah. to. Wire and he says, "Well, I can't wire and not have some. I got to have something." So, like, I get it. So, yes, he can do it. He, guy's good. Dustin, Dustin has one jade tree about that big, old, maybe thirty year old. One of my bigger jades, like the, the bigger ones that I have. He I has the biggest one, or Justin does. Somebody does. And um, uh, and Gavin's got Gavin's got a couple junipers, a couple trees, um. Ali says she will never grow bonsai. Yeah, I grew up with that. I'll never grow bonsai. She will grow a bonsai one day.
0: Ah, uh, well, well. I mean, if it's anything to be said uh, for our listeners out there, if you have a kid and you're really into bonsai and you want to force them into bonsai, tell them that you'll pay them to wire your trees, and that's right, that will happen. <laughs> I like that, Evan. That's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like. We're going to talk about stuff on the show every once in a while we'll go into it's like, all right, well, I'm going to do bonsai for my entire life. And I mean, that's kind of where the, one of the most unique things about bonsai is I hear people say this and I say this to myself as like a, as like a, uh, for, I forgot what you would say, what you would call that. It's just like something that you, it's like a cornerstone of like what you say, you know, and you're like, oh, I'm going to do bonsai. And then it's like in bonsai, it's like people say, I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. And it's a weird thing. Because a lot of there's not a lot of other hobbies or art forms that people say that kind of thing about, you know, and uh, and so every once in a while it comes up in the conversations like, how do I get my kid into this so that when I'm gone, my trees will continue to live on, and it's always like a it seems it like it's always an issue.
1: <laughs> Evan, guess what? I know that if I were to drop dead tomorrow. Which is, could very well be possible with my lifestyle. Just a, I <laughs> think, uh, but I think between my three boys, they would definitely and friends, Justin, you, and different people, my trees would be happy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, but and it, I can only say that is because they they didn't live the life. My kids didn't live a life of a person, a parent that dabbled in bonsai. They lived bonsai. Everything was, their whole world was bonsai. They were exposed to every part. They had to mix. So every one of them had to work. They might not have had their own trees and shit, but they had to work. Internet. And subsequently, they learned amazing values and lots of contacts and people. Uh, and, and subliminally, there was a passion for the, each and every one of them. Even Allie, who says, she'll never grow bonsai that's not true she will eventually and maybe yeah. not, it's not for everybody because takes a lot of time unless you can figure out a way to minimize the time and free yourself up so you can go on vacation shit go out and have fun it's still a collection which we got to talk about soon mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> yeah yeah it's i mean i mean i struggle with going out of town and stuff i totally know what you mean like you go out of town. You hire somebody to water your trees for you, and you gotta. Or you have an automatic irrigation system in this. Like in bonsai, like we're so married to our trees. <laughs> I mean, it's just the way it is, you know.
1: Because why? Because it's passion. It's love. It's an addiction. It's a compulsion. It's something that gets us close to nature. The further our uh, everything pushes us away from nature. Uh, Us bonsai people and lots of other people are clinging on to, hey, it gets us close to nature. It makes us aware of sunsets and fall colors, which make sure you are observant and watch to take in some fall color because no doubt it's certainly on the end of its cycle, but we have another week of good fall color. And when you go to your nursery, when I leave and I go to work, it's, it's pretty amazing. And so bonsai does that. And if it wasn't for an awareness of fall color, man, I don't think life would be that good. If I wasn't aware of the celestial, of, of, of meteor showers and simple things in life, that's Bonsai makes us, brings out that. eye mm-hmm. is, it's not just a, the world friendship federation connection, it's deeper to every, it's it's personal for every body. Wow. And, um, and it, it, it can go, uh, really deep and it, it's a savior and it's a, it'll kill you too. It's like, <laughs> I don't want to work that hard for bonsai. I'm not. I'm not. I'm still going to have killer trees, but it'll be a year before I can make most trees showable. Either. And I don't even care about that unless somebody says, all right, we'll pay you and you can make your trees look real good and maintain. It's like, all right, well, whatever. And then they'll still get somebody else to help me do it because so well, because how could I love doing bonsai if I do it 10 hours a day it's work yeah. no matter what it's it's work it's it's work but you got to put the work in so that you can feel this way and you know it you work on a lot of trees and you're you're a slave to your nursery however yeah. what could be better
0: <laughs> like it's such a, it, you see all these like profound, like nice things, a bonsai and you're like, you're a slave and you know it.
1: <laughs> That's, right. That's right.
0: But yeah. it, I mean, it, it is what it is. I mean, like I said, it's like people say they want to do bonsai. They want to do it for the rest of their life. And then it, it really is like that. You know, you're married to it. You're, you're always in it. You got to do it every single day if you're really about it. And, you know, and that. And if you're here listening for the first time, I mean, I'm sorry, but this is the truth. Like this. It's <laughs> hey,
1: beautiful. If you're here listening for the first time, bonsai becomes a passion. And it doesn't matter if you've been doing bonsai for one year, one week. You love it just as much as a seasoned guys do. It, that passion is inevitable. It's nature. It's it's the best of the best. You can have a slice of nature right in your backyard, old growth tree. And so, even with a sapling cut off in a bonsai pot, the new guy gets to enjoy and love his tree as much as we do. And so, just hang in there because that little tree
0: next year ages by 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was going to ask you, like, what would you tell a new, like, bonsai enthusiast? But I think you pretty much nailed it right there. That's... Yeah. Man. Hey,
1: look, <laughs> just just prepare to... Never go on vacation again.
0: <laughs> so, but, Sorry, I have some really good friends that also do bonsai.
1: Yeah, hey, no, it's it's nothing better. Um, you, you could take up painting, sculpting, everything. It's all wonderful, uh, but I don't think that that all gets you close to nature because you have to witness. Uh, so bonsai is no different. It's it's. It, I think from what I understand, bonsai is the fastest growing hobby and art in the world. And- uh, and if, if that's not true, then it's not, but it should be.
0: <laughs> I mean, on a, on a like a national level, on our international level, I mean, uh, just so you know, guy, I mean, we have listeners all over the globe as far as what I've been able to track. And I would agree it's it's growing very rapidly. Um, I mean, especially in Europe and I mean, we've got a lot of listeners in Australia that have sparked recently and there's been a lot of interest there. So I I would agree. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a, this, this is what we're doing. I mean, (laughs) uh, and you know, it's funny, Evan. Yeah. What's up
1: is the karate kid is, there's a lot of people I I attribute to being responsible for exposing bonsai to America and to the world, Um, a more so than traditional classical Japanese artists. It's bonsai kid and stuff like that. Bonsai kid, the movies, Uh, but the bonsai kid Mr. Miyagi you do know that John Naka is the character
0: Yeah. they took. Was that? Oh, I said, yeah. And uh in in John oh, Naka, in uh I mean uh, not John uh, Mr. Miyagi is an embodiment of John Naka, Benoki, and Roy Takanashi. Yes, indeed. And
1: yeah. Yuji Yoshimura.
0: And
1: Yuji is the East Coast. John was the West Coast. And yeah. so I fell in with the West Coast where Bill was a Yuji, Bill Valadanis with a Yuji Yoshimura, more samurai. Uh, but but so it, it, these two worlds met, these two samurais, John Naka and Yuji, right in the middle, and that's where I got and where my influence was it's all the same, but John Naka. Yeah. John Naka, through Vaughn Banning, through John Naka, through Ben Oakey. God, there's so many. Holy cow.
0: Hmm. Yeah, there's there's so many. Legends to look back and just remember. I mean, and it's awesome because, like, wh- like I was mentioning, it's like you want people to carry on your your trees on your legacy and all that. And I mean, I mean, you've already got trees in the National Arboretum, so you you've you've got that pretty much. down uh, too.
1: Every we all want our trees to go to a place. Yeah. That might perhaps benefit, but that might be of some type of uh, entertainment, amusement, and money making situation. Yes, yeah, yeah. Bonsai is hard to make money. At. No but way. If, but however, Evan, I always made money at Bonsai. I made money at it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I, I made good money at it. And I charge extremely high. Some people say his trees are way overpriced or his classes are overpriced or all that. And it's okay. That's that's It is what it is. It's, I don't care what anybody thinks. It's none of my business if somebody thinks unkindly of me. I I don't care, you know, it don't matter. But but the fact is, man, that it it is our passion. And you right now, your nursery, I see I see fucking some of the best freaking trees coming out of your freaking nursery. There is. I don't see another nursery in the country that's still growing the quality of stock you're growing. Straight up. But I haven't I haven't traveled the country, but I still the quality is is totally way fucking high at your nursery.
0: Thank you. Yeah, I mean it's 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 coming along. It's coming along. <laughs> <laughs> the best. I, I don't I don't think it's the best. I mean, I still have like, uh, I have a high bar for myself, so I'll I'll keep putting it higher then.
1: I find it the high level is because it's the type of material that I love. Thank you. The, in that state in one, in one setting to make moves to find lines, and then bam, it's on. It's like some of the finest. shit uh, that's that's the magic, and you
0: you have fields of dreams over there. Oh yeah, I mean, at first it was sticks, and then it was yeah. dumps. <laughs> and now it's a field of dreams. But yeah, that's
1: right. You know.
0: <laughs> but yeah, right, here's to the field of dreams. No, definitely, here's to the field of dreams, guy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i let would say this has been a very very great conversation very educational very uh very close to your chest kind of kind of conversation thank you for sharing and being honest um like you said people haven't heard from you in a while i mean um but it, i mean you're still going to keep being yourself and being you know you know doing your thing i mean is there any plans or just so the world knows? Are you are you just kind of how you feel right now?
1: Well, I almost feel like a virgin <laughs> that <laughs> it's all new to me and I'm excited about in delving back into the trees. Hey, I for the first time in my life I'm alone. Okay. Yeah. Uh, for the first time in my entire life, I always had family kids, women in my life. First time, and I'm kind of liking it too much. However, I need a woman in my life, man. <laughs> <Let's> <laughs> it but I need I need somebody in my life again. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm not getting married again. Oh, okay. no, but but I, I'm looking for someone to cook I'm, I'm no, I'm not looking for shit. Uh if it happens, it happens. Yeah. My bones eye direction um is certainly like on the up. It's not like I'm not in the other direction like I've been for so many years, uh, that I'm looking I'm really looking to like make make you happy and proud with my trees, make everybody say when they look at my trees they fucking right, look at these badass old motherfuckers.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, no, man. Um it it's it's such a pleasure and honor, Evan. Uh, I have I I'm I'm happy getting I'm back into bonsai to some
0: degree, I don't know. So yeah, uh, thanks for thanks for sharing so much stuff with us, guy. I mean, it like like we were saying, it's it's awesome to to hear that you're still in bonsai and you're still loving bonsai and there's there's a future for you to do more work. But I mean, like you had already given some advice to new bonsai like people that are going to be listening to this and people who are wanting to get into bonsai. But is there is there any closing remarks that you'd like to say to close us out?
1: Well, I guess. I mean, there's never truly closing.
0: No, I, I get that. But something is still a sweet thing to send us off on.
1: Yeah, then then I would I would say uh, to all your listeners that right now the season is upon us and that perhaps pick up a few books, come visit Underhill, come get some lessons so that you could take advantage of perhaps a collecting season, whether it be Yamadori from the wild outside your backyard, in your garden or in a landscape nursery or best place yet, Underhill Nursery. Go get something that will get you started and, and, and by by, when you get home you'll be happy to have a bonsai tree and you'll start your whole new endeavor. Just keep buying trees, make trees. Yeah, make trees. Make trees. Make trees. And not many people have the opportunity to, to collect trees, but yeah. I tell you what, I could go to your place and collect all kinds of stuff, I could, could get everything I need to make an instant collection very inexpensively. So just if you like the whole notion of bonsai, jump, delve into it. Start taking classes.
0: I get into it. Just do it. Do it. Do Be it. real about it.
1: Because everything is a year an annual thing. If you miss out on this growing season, this spring, you got to wait a whole year to do a lot of stuff. Damn. And so, uh, and if you, well, if, well, then wait a whole year, but you keep putting that off, you're never going to do it now's the time it's the perfect time of the year Evan and yeah. uh, and uh, you're going to be busy or always busy but just keep teaching the classes and keep recruiting people because uh, if they start right oh my god they're so much ahead of the crowd if they start wrong well they're never going to make good bonsai
0: yeah you know, like like y'all heard guy get out there get get your trees get started now i mean like he's like this is a great way to kick off the year i mean this is the time go collect trees go get started with trees I mean be ready to repot like work roots you know yeah, make a chop and do it yeah so just do it but yeah thank you so much for uh for hanging out with me guy and and being on the show i know the world will be excited to hear from you so yeah it's been a good time
1: evan thank you it was a pleasure and an honor
0: definitely all right guys, we will hear uh, we'll be back next week with even more little things for bonsai people. Y'all for excellent week.